0: hello i'm harry hello i'm rory and you're listening to games on film
1: And welcome to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies, even shit ones. I I don't know why I brought that up, but (laughs) (laughs) no, seriously, we are here to spread the love. And with me, as always, is my brother Rory. Hello. Hello, Harry. How are you? I am Fan Dabby Dozy, and (laughs) we're especially happy because we have a special guest with us. He's an author of... What's the name of the book, Rory? (laughs) This is a professional podcast, he's the author of... A Guide to Video Game Movies. Yes, yeah, so who better to have on the podcast than Chris Carton? Hello!
2: Hi guys, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Really I actually awesome. can't think of a better podcast to be my first ever one, because how relevant.
1: It's, you know <laughs> We like relevance on this podcast. We are extremely relevant, and extremely topical, because the subject of the film today is 2015's Pixels. Ah uh, but you say
0: topical, but actually in the past week there yes. have been a few key news items. One of them is the announcement of a Pac-Man live action movie, which um obviously plays into this film Pixels. Why going say
1: Pac-Man? If it's I'm assuming it's not gonna be CGI Pac-Man. So they'll just be Chris you- Pratt. Chris Pratt, painted yellow, going down the street, munching on ghosts. I would Um, pay money to see Chris Pratt eat a ghost on screen.
0: um, We also have uh, appearances in this film by Serena Williams, who this week has announced her evolution from tennis and bidding farewell to her tennis career. And also um, Silent Hill's Sean Bean for... um, reasons involving decrying intimacy coordinators as well as fan conventions also at the same time so
1: yeah i don't know what, why is he talking about interest i think somebody just asked him about game of thrones because that there's that house of the dragon show happening and then he moaned about intimacy coordinators and therefore i know it, the next day's twitter is going to be moaning about that <laughs> Yeah, as we said, relevance is the word for today.
0: <laughs> but before we get too um, stuck into the world of pixels, um, as Chris, you said, this is your, your first podcast that you've decided to, um, you know, in the perfect place oh, to discuss. Jesus, um, sorry, is this is
1: your first. Yeah, I've turned down hundreds, you know, before this. Oh, my this. God. I
2: just, had to, I just had to wait for the perfect one.
1: Sorry, Mark commodes <laughs> We are doing sorry, Game sorry, Mark Thrones Yeah. <laughs>
0: Cool, um, But as, as the author of A Guide to Video Game Movies, which uh, was published uh, earlier this year, 2022, obviously you would have an interest in video game movies, as do we. So how did, um, how did that interest in video game movies start and how did the book come about as a result?
2: Okay, well, it started from just loving video games first off. Um, I we never had a SNES or a NES or anything like that but my cousins did so we used to go there play Mario Brothers so much so much so that we were hogging it on them I'd say, and saying they were probably pretty annoyed but they never told us that <laughs> um, then uh, Mario Brothers came out with John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins and I was about four so it was a big huge cinema trip for me and back then I didn't know it was so bad it's good I just thought it was amazing <laughs> I still do actually I have it on DVD or haven't got the Blu-ray yet
1: I'm positive I've told the story before, but I noticed that you're wearing a Jurassic Park T-shirt. And I remember at the time I was such a Mario fan, and both Jurassic Park and Mario are coming out at the same time. I was like, Mario's going to shit all over Jurassic Park. What's this dinosaur (laughs) movie coming out? (laughs) This has got Yoshi. It's got Dennis Hopper in it. The kids are going to go wild.
0: (laughs) We could be living in, a, in a, a year where the big summer blockbuster was uh, Super Mario Brothers Dominion. But... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? It was oh, me the days. I mean,
1: happy days. But so, yeah. on. I just kept
2: watching every video game movie after that. I've seen, I'd say, nearly all of them at this stage. I loved Double Dragon. I loved everything from the 90s. Um, like, my mom's house is just full of DVDs that she'd probably never get rid of, because I'll take them um, at some stage. <laughs> um, but one weekend in 2020 in the middle of all of the worst part um i just wanted to do some sort of mini marathon where I was just kind of watch you know all, all of them everyone i could find anyway rewatch them, and see are they as bad as i remember are they good as i remember and then i had seen on twitter that uh chris Gullion, he's a scottish video game journalist oh yeah that I used to read right. in he used to write for the official nintendo magazine which i used to get when i was a teenager um He had written the NES Encyclopedia and the SNES Encyclopedia. And I saw that his publisher were looking for more books. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to watch all these movies, would someone like to read about them? So (laughs) I pitched the book. At least to
1: us. (laughs)
2: Yeah, my main audience. Uh, So I pitched the book with no thought at all that I would hear anything back. And I heard back, I think it was the next day,
1: Wow! Oh wow. With,
2: with, with interest. So it was really, really exciting and I couldn't believe it. And then I was asked to send a sample of my writing. So I sent, I think, entries from the book that are actually pretty much as they are still. Assassin's Creed, Mario and Sonic, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the next day after that, uh, I got an email saying, yeah, we'd like to go ahead. Oh, so wow. that's how it
1: came out. And then were you're like, oh, my God, I've got to re-watch all these movies now.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was it. Uh, but thankfully, a lot of them were just ingrained in my brain anyway. So there wasn't, you know, I did re-watch them all, but I didn't need to re-watch them all. <laughs> um,
0: so how yeah. did you kind of put it all together then? Like, what as well as just kind of watching the movies and stuff, what was the process? Did you have like a kind of, uh, you know, here's the full list and you just kind of check them off a big checklist? Or, you know, how did you go about it? I kind of had
2: decided myself that I wanted to just tackle the big main theatrical ones, let's say, because Mm -hmm. this book could have been, you you know, 20 times the size if I wanted to cover everything in detail. So, and I decided I didn't want to do sequels unless they were theatrical sequels either. You know, Mm -hmm. if it was Mm -hmm. direct-to-video, I just wanted to mention them.
1: Corey, we we really should have done that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which Pokemon movie are we on again? (laughs)
2: Yeah, gosh, I, think there's 20, I think there's 24, 25 animated ones at this stage. It's, yeah, pretty, yeah. it's it's a lot. So there was no way I was going to make it. That could be its own book. Yeah, And yeah. I have a terrible attention span. So I wanted to write a book that I would be able to read.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> would I pick this in the shop and flick through it? Um, yeah. I also have loads of friends who aren't into games as well. So I thought if I was writing a book, you know, something that they'd be able to flick through and be like, oh, I remember mm-hmm. Tomb Raider. Or, I remember Pokemon or, you know, make it accessible, basically, was my was my plan.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean yeah and it's and it's it's a really great I've got it with me uh right now but straight as you have like as you said like the big entries about the sort of the key titles and then you sort of do it chronolog- chronologically mm-hmm. with like wrap-ups of like you know other notable examples and you know other installments of stuff in yeah. different decades and uh, lots of lovely big pictures. It's kind of like one of those uh, dueling Kindersley guides or whatever. It's just like...
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm so... I don't know what has happened to me this year, but I have become obsessed with coffee table books, and I've bought, like, maybe 10. I don't really have space for them, but there is something really satisfying, just um, just the tactile quality of a lovely, lovely picture book. And And the smell. And exactly. No, it's Stuff your nose in there. You know, I, didn't really,
2: I didn't really care how
0: the book looked. I just wanted to smell it when it arrived, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: As long as you didn't go into, like, scratch and sniff territory with... No, oh! History, actually.
1: Gosh, that takes me back. I might how- pitch that, you know. <laughs> scratch and sniff video game movies.
2: But it was always pizza, wasn't it? That was always what they had on the scratch and sniff stickers and I was on it. It was just, like, pizza. Uh,
1: well, <laughs> I, I I got a,
0: a postcard from the Jorvik Viking Centre in York... And that had a Viking latrine scratch and sniff smell. And oh, that was no. pizza.
2: <laughs> How did they even source the smell from that? I think it was probably just yeah, like mottled time... vegetable smell or something.
1: <laughs> no, they buried the lead. They invented time travel technology in, in aid of a, of a crappy postcard from the Yorvik <laughs> Viking Centre
2: just to share the smell. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a lot I of was effort.
1: Trying to think earlier today. Uh, about what the first video game movie I ever saw at the cinema was, and, and to my shame, I think it was Pokemon: The First Movie. Looking at the dates, so I, all those movies that you saw at the cinema, we kind of watched on video first of all.
2: I do remember seeing Street Fighter, Street Fighter, too many times. Maybe about three or four times. <laughs> we, we've <laughs> kind of
1: become wow. Street Fighter stands, I think, because it's so interesting that when, when when the film first came out on VHS and we rented it i think we're really disappointed how it was just wasn't a it was just wasn't a martial arts movie end of the mm-hmm. day it's an action movie with some fighting in it but we've kind of gone on to read how it was pretty much designed to do sell like gi joe toys yeah. and also just the the performance of Julia is peerless so like i own the special edition blu-ray now we've seen it at the prince charles cinema in london we uh pretty big fans that's (laughs)
2: great it's such a good movie it's such a feel-good movie i think you can't watch uh royal julia performing that and not smile like he's amazing Mm. he was amazing
1: (laughs) yeah we do like a good villain
0: yeah for sure and uh in the whole sort of process of uh kind of watching these films for the book did you? Uh, I mean, have you ended up with a, a favorite video game movie, or was there a, a movie you might have dismissed earlier, and and was now maybe a kind of surprise or a hidden gem that uh, you kind of like would recommend to to people to seek out? Uh, there was. I think
2: the only two movies that I hadn't actually seen before I wrote the book was were Postal and Far Cry. Okay. Um, and I thought Postal the titans. was. was <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought Postal was. Better than people had given it credit for. If you check your brain out, like you probably have to do with a lot of these movies actually
1: at the door. Yeah, we um, found um, it was like pure distilled Uwe Bowl, I think. Yeah, kind of, and yeah, for good or ill,
2: that's it. Like yeah. you were saying, he, he he, you kind of have to admire his um, gumption. Know, he just does it? He just does it. His gumption, exactly. That's <laughs> it. And my favorite video game movie is that's such a tough one. I think it has to be the original Mortal Kombat for me because it just made the most impact. Um at the time, because I would have watched these. I have two older brothers, so I was kind of like you guys. We would have watched all these movies together, so it was an experience for us, you know, that we would remember remembered with the soundtrack um, and, you know, all the characters and that are just so funny. And it's, it's nothing like the games, really. The characters are kind of the only thing that's similar. Uh, there's no... It's not very violent. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just love it. I love the gothic kind of feel to it. I like the way it's shot, um, the atmosphere of it. I think that's probably... It has, Yeah, I think that's my favourite one.
1: Yeah, recently we did our 100th episode and did a, our first awards show, and mm-hmm. that, that was, we decided, the best video game movie uh, that we'd covered. And, you know, which is kind of bittersweet because we're looking to find maybe... We hope things have got, like, better since then. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you
0: know... Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's sort of a, a bit kind of tied up in, obviously, nostalgia and and the impact at the time as well. I mean, I, I think, you know, maybe objectively there have been better video game movies since, in, in some respects, mm-hmm. but um, it's still the one that kind of, like, hits that sweet spot. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, we do... Others we do have a lot of love for the Mario Brothers movie and Street Fighter, but perhaps Mortal Kombat proved that video game movies could be good and profitable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. yeah, my heckles raised whenever some hack writes a article saying the video game movie curse, like this film yet oh. again proves you can't make good video game movies. And uh, we're like, um, actually <laughs> it happened
2: after... a long time ago, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's um, go back to the 90s. When
2: it, when it comes to, Uh, Hidden Gems, I think Werewolves Within is a really good movie. Mm. Really enjoyed that. Um, It's just so well made. It didn't feel, you know, a lot of modern comedies just feels a bit forced, I think. And it's so kind of like this back and forth. uh, I wouldn't say SNL type thing. I don't have anything against SNL, but, you know, just that awkward kind of comedy. And this had a little bit of that, but it just felt more real for some reason. You know, the characters were more, they they weren't kind of ridiculous over the top. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that movie actually so that that's one I think people should watch I and mean, I think it's
1: on Netflix. Yeah mm-hmm. I think um mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't even know the game at all so yeah. like maybe that's a people should start pursuing. I don't know it's tr- it's tricky when you're adapting video games is that's the whole thing isn't it because you're mm-hmm. it's um obviously the same debate when you're adapting comics into movies it's like things are often created in their perfect medium and so, turning it into a different medium is, is never really an artistic endeavor. It's always like a, a to completely driven by finance, and it's trying Absolutely. to turn it's trying to turn those into an entertainment in of itself. And and they
2: don't really seem to know what audience they're going for. Then are they trying to please us? Or are they trying to please someone who doesn't know what the movie or the, what the video game is? Um, that's why it's interesting when things like Assassin's Creed set themselves in you know the game universe. Mm. So you're not looking at Altair or Ezio getting their story retold because we've seen that, we've played that. So for better or worse with Assassin's Creed or whatever you think of it, I liked that they put that in canon. Mm. So in one way, it's great because it's canon and and it's authentic and all that. In another way, if you hate it, it's canon.
1: (laughs) 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 have you checked out the recent resident evil series on netflix
2: i am three episodes in but i listened to your episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, i can't give full full um uh, opinion on it yet but i love lance reddick so
1: much yeah i mean he's amazing yeah for good or ill like that is the same that does the same thing as assassin's creed where it's actually surprisingly like mild spoilers for the show it's more set in the game universe than you might think mm-hmm. um so uh, yeah that's cool well speaking
0: of adaptations <laughs> we uh, though your book guide to video game movies focuses primarily on um adaptations of of video games into film uh, our subject today pixels is not Directly adapted from an existing video game, though it has a lot of video game characters and elements making an appearance, but it is adapted from an original short film.
1: I was just—it makes you sit up in the credits when you see "based on the short film by um, Patrick Jean."
0: Um, so it was re- the original short film was released in 2010, um, and it was sort of a viral hit on YouTube. Did I review see it when it originally came out, or?
1: Yeah, I remember being really like blown away by it. I rewatched it now, today. It's a little bit less impressive, but only because, of course, it seems like not a day goes past that YouTube you know, spits out an amazing VFX test demo. How about yourself, Chris?
2: I actually hadn't watched it until today. Um, so, after I watched the, the adaptation, let's say, but uh, I think it holds up fairly well, actually. Hmm. But I get what you mean. It's kind of oversaturated now because people have been doing this these kind of things on YouTube for a long time. But yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting. It's quick. It's visually amazing for a short movie to be putting all these special effects in and everything. And it's yeah, I liked it. I thought it was it was effective for, only... for nerds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> for nerds. Um the only film actually no, there's a few films I can think of which were shorts and then turned into full live action of films. There is the, they're both horror films. In fact, there's one called lights out, oh, yes. uh, which got turned into a horror film. And I think there's a, Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's became a Martin Freeman zombie film called cargo. cargo. Yes, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Now the short film of cargo literally makes me cry. Um, yeah but I never really finished the full-length movie, and I thought Lights Out, the full-length movie, was a massive downgrade from the effect of short. Yeah. Uh, remains to be seen what we think of Pixels, but it's, um, <laughs> it's a small subgenre, isn't it? They're based on the yeah. short film.
0: And so the, in terms of the process of developing it, so the original short director, Patrick Jean, did sort of make a deal with Sony, uh, in order to make this film. And then Happy Madison, Adam Sandler's production company, came on. And the, the original short director was originally planning to direct the feature-length movie, but budget and size of movie, et cetera, became a bit uh, too much, so he stepped aside. And, in fact, actually, <laughs> um, one of the executive producers um, was maybe lined up to be in the director's chair, and that was Seth Gordon, director of King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. Um, um, which also possibly explains why Steve Wiebe makes a cameo appearance in this film, I think, as a scientist. Um, and also one of the characters is is maybe slightly modelled on Billy Mitchell. Um, <laughs> but uh, ultimately, um, the writing team um, was, I think, Tim Herlihy, who is a regular collaborator with star Adam Sandler and the film directed by Chris Columbus, probably best known for Home Alone 1 and 2, Mrs. Doubtfire, and the first two Harry Potter movies. So I guess, you know, quite good uh, blockbuster movie sort of credentials. Um, but I suppose uh, a lot of the interest in the film um, was not just the fact that it's capturing this kind of 80s uh, nostalgia, but also whether or not you care for Adam Sandler's shtick. Um, I don't know if either of you have watched a lot of Anna Sandler movies. I, I, we can kind of get into it more as the, as the film goes, but um, I don't think I've really seen too many because I'm usually put off by the trailers. Um yeah. I'm like I've seen I've snot. seen like his kind of <laughs> prestigious films. I've mm. seen like Punch Drunk Love and Uncut Gems.
1: Um <laughs> yeah but he's, he's, he's actually there. known he's... as um, Adam Harry. Have you seen Uncut Gems, Sandler? Because <laughs> I've still not. And I've not seen what is it, Funny, not funny, funny People? Funny people. Fun, yeah, I was gonna say Funny Games. That's a very different film. Oh yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> Adam Sandler invades your home and Whoa. he kills your family. Yeah, that's scary. It <laughs> would be. Um, uh yeah, I mean, I was looking at the cast. And yeah, I was just said earlier, I'm I am a well, I think I went through my snob period of my twenties. And now I'm approaching 40. I'm like, oh, just whatever, man. But <laughs> so like I think though the only Adam Sandler film I've seen is like Hotel Transylvania, <laughs> which I thought was good. But yeah. I think more interestingly, I don't think I've seen a solitary, like um Kevin James film and actually that's a lie because I think he plays Frankenstein in the uh, in the Hotel Transylvania I don't know how uh, many I mean, films there are it's something uh, to say
0: that Adam Sandler movies the cast rotates marginally um, you will see the same faces over and over again um, yeah. so it's, it's no steep. surprise I think they've been in, in Kevin James and Adam Sandler have been in the same film or TV show I think seven or eight times according to IMDb Trivia
1: I just think um, right. I, I, I I can I, know, right? I don't I don't I don't like Adam Sandler, but I can understand why people might like his like Little Nicky shtick. But Kevin With James, yeah, I'm just like, why are you Kevin James? Mm. I just never can. He's just like this, just bloke. <laughs> this is yeah. I don't know what to say. Like you know Paul Blart Mall Cop, you know. So like it blew my mind when he was cast as the president in this. Like this guy's the president. <laughs> This guy, he's just, what? I mean, like,
0: so Adam Sandler, I think, particularly at this time, had a bit of a reputation. I think, like, in the 90s and things, he was pretty popular. I mean, obviously, we mentioned SNL before, and you know, that's where he came to be known. Um, but in this kind of like 2000s, mid 2000s, before he moved to Netflix and you know, made all the movies there, you know, he was in his kind of grown ups. Jack and Jill, that sort of phase. Wow, yeah, I
1: forgot about Jack and Jill.
0: The fact that there is a podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time, where uh, a couple of guys watch Grown Ups (laughs) 2 once a week, every week, for 52 weeks and record their thoughts, and neither of them had seen the first Grown Ups. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That that sort of sets it all. Um, (laughs) So, so, Adam Sandler, as, as a performer, is a divisive um, figure, but this was probably, I guess, his, like, biggest um, budgeted movie or sort of, like, mm. biggest sort of showcase, uh, in inverted commas, for his, uh, in inverted commas talents.
1: I mean, it, it doesn't cost a lot of money to send a bunch of grown man down a water flume and call that a movie, because <laughs> that's, that's all I assume Grown Ups 2 is about. Because that's what the poster shows.
2: And Super Mario Brothers sent you know grown men and women down a, a flume too, didn't it? On a mattress.
1: <laughs> I know, and Bob, Hos- Bob Hoskins gave it his all in that. He really scene. did.
0: Also <laughs> <laughs> declaring the shoot a fucking nightmare. So <laughs> yeah,
1: it's true. <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, I,
1: I think. Sorry, I um... thought you meant the shoot he was riding down, not <laughs> the film, riding. not the, the film, film shoot. <laughs> So there is shoots
0: obstacles everywhere. As long as
1: I I've got one fear, it is shoots. <laughs> oh no, what do I go down? Anyway, sorry. Yeah, Adam Sandler. Acquired taste, Adam Sandler. Acquired taste. But I, I think
0: I think the way this film is presented, or at least was pitched on release, was that this was like a big budget adventure comedy. Um it's Adam Sandler and his chums, plus uh 80s nostalgia visual effects showcase and a, a lot of the kind of promo was pitching it and i think maybe because of sony's involvement as it's sort of a ghostbusters style uh adventure but i, I maybe we should talk about the the plot before we sort of do do our thoughts, yes initial thoughts yeah. about the film why
1: not the plot
3: NASA launched a time capsule into space, containing examples of our life and culture in hopes of contacting extraterrestrial life. Unfortunately, the message was taken the wrong way. I believe that some alien life force sent down real life video games to attack us. That makes sense. We've never faced a threat like this before. We need video game expertise. These guys were champions back in 82. Sam Brenner, Pac-Man world champion. What's up? Ludlow Laminsoth, master of centipede. Also known as... Your worst nightmare! Eddie Plant, king of Donkey Kong. Pattern and anticipate. I don't know the pattern. Shoot for the head. You're welcome. You got on your face. the you only way to take down Pac Man is with ghosts. You want ghosts? These are your ghosts. Let's hit it. <laughs> don't tell anybody I killed the Smurf. Coming oh he's going to eat you we got this if we don't the world ends We have to take the battle to them Donkey Kong the
0: one game you suck at. I have the Blu-ray in front of me. Oh, what features uh, does it have? Well, the features are mainly... I did watch a bunch. Um, they're mainly um, uh, just very tiny shorts about the specific games featured in the film. So that's that's the bulk of it. Not too illuminating. But thrilling action and stunning visuals says Cinema Blend. Mm. Um, it also says infrequent moderate sex references and implied strong language.
1: I actually looked up your 2017 review of this film on Letterboxd okay. Rory.
2: <laughs> Real research.
1: And um it's a it's pretty long and pretty angry. <laughs> um, well, we could
0: maybe get into that when uh, after the synopsis. <laughs> I mean, if <laughs>
1: I mean, just I guess to quote Adam Sandler gives perhaps the worst performance by a top-billed lead in a studio blockbuster I've seen. And like we talked about this in our Resident Evil review where we're talking about people asking what is this film for and you literally say it's a complete tonal abomination begging the question what is it who is it for? <laughs> um it'd be interesting to see if you've mellowed since then but let us know what the what the box says like how they sell this to the to the public.
0: Okay, well, the uh, synopsis reads, When aliens misinterpret video feeds of classic arcade games as a declaration of war against them, they attack the Earth using games like Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Galaga, Centipede, and Space Invaders as models for their various assaults. President Will Cooper, Kevin James, has to call on his childhood best friend, 80s video game champion, Sam Brenner, Adam Sandler, to lead a team of old-school arcaders, Peter Dinklage and Josh Gad, to defeat the aliens and save the
1: planet. Is the planet worth saving? (laughs) He asks from a 2022 perspective.
2: Is a planet with pixels on it worth saving?
1: It's pretty weird to um, watch a, a film in 2022 where, like, the president gets in trouble for, like, eating cake in front of cameras. <laughs> and, like the scandal. The scandal of it. And then since that, like, one, I've actually literally yesterday started playing Saints Row 4. Um, it's a game where you play, like, a really obnoxious president. I'm only, like, five minutes in, and already I'm like, I'm not sure I'm digging this because <laughs> yeah. everything that's happened. But anyway.
0: I mean, yeah, the, the sweet, naive Halcyon days where because the president misreads um, when he's doing a reading session with a bunch of kids and is, like, demonized and hounded. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, Confetti. like, the worst thing. I mean, the, the whole cape thing is maybe you could do a Boris Johnson parallel in terms of partying during a crisis. But, yes, still, um, considering other presidents, um, oh. for instance. I mean, um, if, if
1: yeah. I could see the future and I had to choose between where we live now and being distru- being turned into a video game, I, I I think I still would like to live, but it's um it's it's tricky. It made me think.
2: <laughs> we don't know even after watching that movie if being pixelated to death is so. I don't know. Actually, people were screaming when they were being pixelated, aren't they? So it probably does hurt. Well, it might be you know, a quick way to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, a f- the thing is, is that like we see a few who do get pixelated. Uh, they get rescued. Um, okay, maybe. I'm not. Gonna, this, isn't know, this is not a spoiler. I don't know if
1: this film even justifies being spoiled.
0: We're <laughs> not. We're not. We're not fully mm. into spoilers. But also, a soldier gets eaten by a giant centipede, and we never see him return. Okay, so that's true. Questionable whether it is.
1: I'd love to see a short film about his funeral, <laughs> like his family gather around. He was eaten by a, an alien representation of the Antes game centipede. <laughs>
0: I did. I did ask in my review who is it for, and I, I think uh, I, I would also like to ask that of um, the makers of this film because I think you've got two opposing forces. You've got the kind of the budget consideration, and maybe Chris Columbus as a kind of family adventure film director, where it's like Chris Jackson's
1: Chris Carum- Columbus.
0: I always yeah. called a Chris
1: Columbus. Sorry, I'm on my second beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you think you think it's going to
0: be sort of shiny, fun, comedy, family adventure. But then you have the Adam Sandler contingent, which is how can we make this film as horny and as pervy as we can get for essentially a sort of family adventure film? And look, the Ghostbusters comparison, sure, Dan Aykroyd gets head from a ghost in that movie. And, you know, Bill Murray spends a lot of that movie pursuing Sigourney Weaver. It's not purely just fun, shiny ghosts bustery stuff but like you know the fact that this is sort of also built into this nostalgia is like again who is it for because all the references are very 80s focused yeah. but I don't, I don't know like at the same time like the stuff in this film we watched the film Joysticks which <laughs> is uh, a sex comedy set in an arcade made in the 80s and and Pac-Man makes an appearance in that as a screen wife. You never a get walk-a, walk-a a joystick. I was just going to say what does
2: he eat? <laughs> <laughs> do I want to know
0: um, you know this film was almost as horny as Joysticks but at least Joysticks had the courage of its convictions to have like boobs and sets and stuff yeah.
1: that's, that's such this... a weird sentence at least Arcade had the courage of its convictions yes um, you know at least it knows it's just what I think it it's was it's like a Fellini or something
0: I'm just saying Joysticks, joysticks knew what it, was, what it was I didn't like it but I knew what it was um pixels doesn't know what it is and i don't like it okay and and there's a there's a lot of reasons why and i think you know my earlier review i i kind of 100 percent stand by i think a lot of it is to do with the tone and a lot of it is to do with you know i'm not a prude but it's just like it really sours everything when you just have the 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 banter um as it were that kind of is, is omnipresent. It just like plagues every single scene. It's not just one character, it's all characters. And also I, I stand by Adam Sandler as being incredibly lazy, incredibly disconnected from everything. And he does not care about the fate of the world. He only cares that he's the best at video games. And I think based on trailers of Adam Sandler movies, because like I've said, I haven't seen too many. Everything is all about oh, he's the greatest guy. Oh, he's the sweetest guy. Oh, he's amazing. And there's like nothing to prove it's the case. I think his films are like total ego trips and wishful film and fantasies where it's like he can do a shtick, but as long as usually a love interest is saying, oh, he's such a sweet guy. Or in this case, in this film, you have an obnoxious little child kind of saying like, oh, Brenner, he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just, I don't see it. I don't see why we should care about this Obnoxious man. <laughs> so that's my thoughts.
1: Chris, I, I do you want to be like a, a Steel Brother sandwich and give us your opinion? <laughs> yeah.
2: I'll go in between and see. Um I think that yeah, that question, who is it for, has never been more applicable to any film than this one. No, I think this movie could have had that really nice, you know, cozy 80s feeling that things like Stranger Things and Super 8 and shows and movies like that have, but it just It started off that way and then it just became this, you know, like you said, an Adam Sandler vehicle with some video game stuff on the side. And I feel like the video game stuff was so underused to the point where it's just like, there's Pac-Man. Spoiler. There's (laughs) another character who they become friends with and talks away. And I'm like, they could have almost made their own in-universe video game characters for this movie if they were going to do that. Mm. Because they're not capitalizing on anything other than, you know certain characters coming down from the sky in a certain pattern you know there was no real love for these games in the movie i felt either on top of all of the unnecessary comedy that then you couldn't say it was a kid's movie because it had so much of that in it so you want kids to be sitting there bored while all this stuff is happening and then when the video game stuff arrives it's not even hitting the way it should does that make sense yeah they didn't commit to either one basically like you said, that this racy kind of thing was just there the whole time, but they never went all in, and then they never went all in on the other side of it either. So, they're, who who are they trying to please?
1: Well, it's funny because I'm reading like a coming soon .dot net re- interview with Chris Columbus from 2015. So this is before the film came out, and so obviously this is chris columbus's side of the story while he's trying to promote his super great movie he wants everyone to see and they ask about like how this might play with people who may not have been around when the games came out and uh she so chris columbus says It sounds like a joke, but I was out in the streets in front of the premiere yesterday and there was a little girl on her dad's shoulders. She couldn't have been more than five or six. She pointed up at our giant Pac-Man and she goes, Pac-Man! And I thought, wow, so the kids know these characters for some reason. I can go with their parents who probably played the game, so that's kind of a nice bonding experience. Now, I think that's something interesting to say because, I mean, Pac-Man is an icon. I don't know if, like, i know i never, I never a huge centipede person myself i think so hmm so that maybe answers your question if if you're speaking to chris columbus in the room <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah i mean i i think i think that explains why kind of pac-man is front and center mm. yeah on the posters and on the on everything because it is the most iconic char- character character it, it does have the sort of i guess the main action set piece and the one that appears in the trailers etc is is pac-man because of that iconic status the other stuff maybe kind of give or take and you could say like wreck it ralph as well has a bunch of characters which which don't necessarily you know chime with the kids or mm-hmm. you know and it kind of also has lots of original characters etc so there's different ways to kind of go about your your nostalgia hits whether it pays off here or I, i'm i'm not certain that, that's it. And I'm not someone
2: who wants just nostalgia, nostalgia for the whole movie. Like, it doesn't have to be an hour and a half of that, but when you're doing it, you might as well do it in a you know, a kind of a, a sweet way that makes sense. It's emotional or something like that, but they didn't. It was just kind of like... <laughs> and if you didn't... If you just saw that poster, you're like, oh, that looks like Pac-Man, but until you watch the movie, you don't know that it's... I assume it's officially endorsed in some way because when Dan Aykroyd is speaking, you know, there's all logos of Nintendo and all that in the background, so they obviously had some licensing going on there but was it worth it I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you what tell you what i think about this film i think i actually liked it quite a bit more than you guys now i'm not for a moment saying that it's a good film but i think uh i did mention when we we're off air that i've got quite a lower barometer of enjoyment of things i went to see the film bullet train this uh, weekend uh the brad pitt movie and the a, Bullet Train is a lot better than Pixels, but I think it has a certain similar superficial enjoyment I got out of both, where it's it's quite pretty and it's quite exciting. And I really dug the visuals in this film. I think the visuals, especially because of the budget, look a lot better than in the short film um, that we mentioned earlier. So I enjoyed it on that level. Um, I do think, like, literally... of the jokes are pretty bad and they're only ever lifted because of some quite out there performances like Peter Dinklage for example is uh, also we see him in the Angry Birds movies Um, so I don't know I like it when like maybe Peter Dinklage was shooting Game of Thrones um, and then he got to like go off the chain when he was doing these short short, small parts in uh, these movies so I don't think it's quite as terrible as like the reviews of the time made it. I mean, I think of hindsight, I don't know, maybe if cinema's got worse. I don't know about that. But <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got a real sense from the critics at the time, this was like the worst film ever made, the doom of all cinema. But like, right, watching it in 2022, I'm like, it's a fairly fine, harmless movie with some nice special effects. But yeah, you two talking about it. I wonder if it would have been better if it was not an Adam Sandler, Man Sandler movie. I think you know, for for all like Chris Columbus is saying about how much he liked video games or whatever. Um, there was, I never sounds like a real nerd complaint, but there are so many times where they did things in when interacting with these video games where I'm like that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> like there's yeah. a bit where like Adam Sandler, they have a a donkey kong fight and it's a bit when he jumps on the barrel and you know my nerd brain so i'm meant to be the guy who's being entertained by the nostalgia i'm like (laughs) don't even touch a barrel man that'll kill you yeah and then during like the pac-man section in that section our heroes are the ghosts chasing pac-man and that's the one time where like the player versus enemy uh dynamic is inverted because like in Centipede, you're trying to destroy the centipede, and you, you know why? Do, why do, I'm trying to interpret uh, interpret like what an alien is thinking in a stupid like comedy action movie, but like it seems like the aliens understood who the player was and everything except Pac-Man, and so <laughs> that seems like such an anal thing to bring up, but like it, yeah, I noticed it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, uh, a good point. But you know, like. It's just mindless stuff.
2: From talk, from listening to you guys talk, I definitely would probably like Adam Sandler the most out of the three of us. Because <laughs> I did, you know, I, I was a big fan of like uh, Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison and all this just stupid humour back in the day. And he actually had a Halloween movie out two years ago called Hubie Halloween that I do like.
1: Oh, um, was that on Netflix as well? Yeah,
2: yeah it came out two yeah. and no, It is. It might as well have been made in the 90s. It's pure like Adam Sandler vehicle again. But I would have liked something like Pixels to have maybe, rather than him, I don't know if this is a spoiler enough now, but obviously he's an amazing arcade player and they need him to save the world. Could it not have been maybe like, he, he, show him as a kid at the start, you know, winning his championship and maybe his his son or something like that is the main character in the movie, mm. trying to live up to his dad's, so and then you'd have some kind of emotion there or you'd see it through a kid's eyes. It'd be more fun. Whereas mm. with him, it's like, like you said, just sex jokes with a grown man <laughs> who's good at video games. You know, I would like to see that. And I'm not someone who has to be all like it doesn't have to be emotionally resonant all the time. It's a movie about video game aliens. But I thought that might have been better. You know, you could have had moments then where it was you're like, oh, that's actually nice. <laughs> but instead,
1: yeah. I you know, here's probably... Kevin
2: James eating cake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wasn't really thinking about the two you guys brought it up, but I mean Yeah, this is just an Adam Sandler movie stapled onto this concept. And I was just thinking about all the potential which could have been done with maybe like a better filmmaker? Sorry, Chris. <laughs> uh, well, no,
0: I, I mean, I, I think I agree in terms of, like, your, your strong, the strong scenes of the I meant, film. I meant,
1: I meant Chris Columbus. Sorry, I wasn't yes,
0: talking no, about you. <laughs> I know you did. I, know, I, th- I think I agree with you on the strong points of the film in that I think, actually, the vi- visual effects are very good. They're very fun. They're bright. I like how all the, the pixelated characters are, are, are kind of rendered, how they've got this sort of light kind of coming out of them. And, the, the, you know, the different sort of the pixels or, you know, cubes uh, sort of look and feel in that respect. So I think that the, the set pieces as they stand are, are, are pretty entertaining and the visual effects are very good um, in them. And I agree that, like, at least Peter Dinklage is kind of going for it. Um, Josh Gad is going for it, but in the like in a very bad direction. Um, Peter Dinklage is going for it, but in a very like, entertaining way direction um so i think like the film really perks up when he appears and then for some reason they they keep sort of like disappearing him and bringing him back and you know i mean i get it plot wise but you know it's just kind of like whenever peter tinklage is not on (laughs) screen everyone should be going where's peter tinklage
3: (laughs) (laughs) okay in exchange for helping us i will personally speak to the parole board about reducing your sentence. Pass. Pass? That deal don't work for Eddie Plant. You want the fire blaster's help, he has some demands. Demands? The bifocal blaster is here, by the way. I want an island. Oh my God. There are 18,617 named islands that are part of the United States and its territories. Not to mention all the countless unnamed ones, like the soon-to-be-called Edwahi. Ooh, you're not getting an island. Then I want a full pardon. I want to get out of here for good. And after I do, I don't want to pay no taxes, like forever, and no sales tax. If I want to buy some Ford Instance gum, I want to flash me a card that says I saved the world. I don't have to pay no ship taxes on the gum, And I want a stealth attack helicopter like they fly over the Super Bowl at my disposal at all times, you know, so I can fly around. If the world's still here, I don't want to deal with traffic no more. And lastly, I want you to set up a romantic rendezvous between me, Serena Williams, and Martha Stewart in the Lincoln bedroom. Number one. You're not getting a helicopter or any sort of flying or driving vehicle. Number two, I'm pretty sure the federal government could do without your income taxes and be fine. And number three, if you help us beat these things, I think we can get you out of here. And the Martha Serena sandwich. Pick one of them, we'll set up a coffee. Serena Williams, and we are closed.
1: My biggest laughs, and by say biggest, is like, I I sort of chuckled like a couple of times during the film. But basically, the only times where I thought the humor worked was like when it nothing to do with Adam Sandler or Kevin James or I guess even Josh Gad. Like you mentioned, how Serena Serena Williams cameos in this film, and I thought she was like the best thing in this film, and she's in like two scenes. Um, Like, let's say spoilers for Pixels. Now we'll go into like the performances. Spoil Pixels. Like, I think when. we, we, we meet an adult version of uh, Peter Dinklage's character in jail. He has all these demands, one of which is to spend time with Serena Williams. And then Serena Williams shows up later in the film, and like she says to an aide, like, I was promised an island to do this. And I think I like, sometimes cameos are just uh, done by like bad actors, but I've re- she's that's made me laugh. I'm like, and I think it was foreshadowed because Pika English also wants to the island, and she was like, I don't know, I just found her funny. And then like there was this other like random like soldier lady. Um, one of the plot is that the aliens do their demands through like face mapped uh, like '80s icons, and uh, like Hervey is in there. Uh, Ronald Reagan. Uh, people like that, like the soldier comes up and she goes we got a message from the where's the beef lady first she asked where the beef was and then she gave her demands and you know it was just that, that's a a funny line but I think I've mentioned the only two intentionally (laughs) funny lines which got a laugh and both don't involve like the star cast
0: I I would just sort of say with the Serena Williams thing it's just like I agree that she did a good job but also, how dare this film like demean, uh, you know, a strong, powerful, talented woman um, into like having a kind of threesome with Martha Stewart? And so, yeah, I th- it's just like yeah, I don't know. I think they just like that. That's that's too much for me. I mean, clearly, she signed on. You know, she read the script, etc. But yeah,
2: I am. Um, um, I did like some of Josh Gad's weird unhinged stuff in that movie. I guess it was because. You know, he'd been in Frozen, was it the year before that? And he was all, you know, mm-hmm. all you'd hear everywhere was Olaf and all that. And he's, his character is so bizarre in this movie. So bizarre. Like he, he, he can be really nice sometimes and then he just goes bonkers. And I, I don't know, I did laugh a few times at his, you know, when he's trying to, um, order around the military guys. <laughs> I'm. I'm going to admit I laughed at that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean that sort of feels is in that sort of category of comedy where, or comedy films, where it doesn't actually matter in the context of the film what's going on. Just let's say something funny, and you know, like a firework, react to it. It's like, oh, (laughs) yeah,
0: that's exactly it.
1: You've reminded me. Like, there's a bit when the creator of Pac-Man shows up and Josh Gad starts speaking Japanese at him, but then he reveals he doesn't know any Japanese, and Rory can speak Japanese, and I wondered if you were catching what you were saying. Um, I'd say, like,
0: half of it was accurate. The other half, I couldn't work out what he was trying to say. <laughs> so, you know, and isn't that uh, um, five out of ten.
1: <laughs> but, like, the actor playing the Pac-Man creator is not the Pac-Man creator. He's... Which is... That's strange, isn't it, to have a cameo but of a real person, but not played by the real person?
0: Well, the, the real creator of Pac-Man, Professor Toro Iwatani, does appear at the start of the film. Mm. He is the repairman working on a Pac-Man arcade cabinet back in the 1980s. So oh. he, does, he does make an appearance. So,
2: I wonder why they didn't you know, get him for the full role.
0: I, I think because uh, his grasp of English isn't sufficient. Um, and sense. also, I'm not
1: an interesting word. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, yeah, I know I, what you mean. Hey, I, I look,
0: I, I didn't make it, the film. I didn't cast. The what film. Oh. Why did they call um, on this podcast? <laughs> but, um, yeah. I mean, I, again, like the interaction that Anna, and what I like about Peter English is like he meets the creator of Pac Man and he's like, I made your game, my bitch. And. <laughs> 10 out of 10. You know, that's like it's it's crass but it's it's the delivery and it's just funny to to sort of have this obnoxious character who thinks he's the best at video games to kind of like say that to the traitor of 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 Batman. Yeah. so
1: yeah again what he's saying what he's saying is this character he's really crass and i'm sure there's loads of maybe people watching this film who thinks what he's saying is funny because they because he's being really demeaning to women and all that stuff but the comedy is actually, it's somebody who thinks he's all that, but he's not. Or, or yeah. it's like, he's a yep. poser. And we find out he's a cheater. He's um, he's reading cheat codes off the inside of his sunglasses. I think yep. he says yep. the line, I owe everything to these bitching shades. Which <laughs> is definitely a line I want to include in my own sort of lexicon. Poetry. I, I yeah.
0: think that, uh, spoilers for Resident Evil TV series, but Albert Weston <laughs> says that in the finale.
1: Does he? I mean, yeah. I watched that the other week, and I forgot it. So it's I'm the fucking saying... line of the whole show,
2: yeah. just before it cuts to black.
1: Yeah. Anyway, he um, what's his face? So, uh, Peter Dinklage, he plays a character called Eddie. Eddie has cheat codes written on the inside of his sunglasses, and I like, I couldn't read something pressed against my face. <laughs> that in itself is a skill, but also like on video game tournaments and the like, you know, you you can't manually input cheat codes into a I don't know. This is what I was talking about earlier. This, the, the the grasp of video game stuff for a film which professes to love video games is super duper shaky. And, and as you said, Chris, it's probably even would be better if it had just invented video games, mm. maybe.
2: It would have been a slave then to the, I don't know if you want to say physics of those <laughs> games. But or yeah, like that, even when you said, you know, he jumped on the barrel and just that little thing as oh a gamer man, ticked you off you know oh. but if they had just been i don't know johnny the monkey instead of donkey kong they could have played around you can jump on the barrel in that and no one would have known any better
1: coming soon johnny the monkey let's make a Charlie flash monkey, game never yeah. that's <laughs> johnny, my next book johnny the <laughs> monkey the bar- he jumps on the barrels that's yeah. all the explanation it's, it's you need.
2: so innovative you won't believe it
0: <laughs> well the one the one game that they do um create is dojo quest Which features the character Lady Lisa, which um, Josh Gad's character Ludlow is obsessed to the point that Adam Sandler's character Sam suggests that he'd have 17 restraining orders taken out on him if she were real. And then he presents a book called If She Were Real. And she does appear in the kind of climactic finale where um, after these kind of video game trials... Basically, all hell breaks loose in the sense that lots of video game characters appear. So you see Mario slash Jumpman make his appearance. You see, you know, Space Invaders, Paperboy, etc. And then Lady Lisa. And um, she kind of appears in a uh, maybe the worst pixelated visual (laughs) effect. They just like, they pixelate her like she's on a kind of crime uh, video on Crime Watch or something. I don't know.
1: It's dead sexy. I get where you're coming from.
0: And um, yeah, she basically just like wields some swords and, and looks a bit sexy. And, and, and again, like this is,
1: yeah, but she turns ash- into a perfect human woman visually. Yes. That's the problem. Yes. I think yes. it would have been better if she was like really still a pixely lady and like Josh Gad still had the horn for her. <laughs> <laughs> but like just right at the end through um, science, which I'm sure is legit, but I struggle to explain, uh, the body of Cubert turns <laughs> into Lady Lisa and then Josh Gad's character, and Lady Lisa. They live happily ever after. And then there's like a one year later section right at the end where we discover yeah. that he's had kids and there are all these baby Qberts in a yeah. crib. And I'm looking at the trivia section of IMDb, <laughs> <laughs> oh. And like, again, it's. it's just like the film, the, the trivia section is pretty half hearted because in the spoilers section of the trivia it says at the end of the film, after playing one year later, a crib is shown with some bouncy baby Cuberts. This alludes to Ludlow and Lady Lisa, who is actually Cubert Transform, having had children. That's that's not trivia, that's just a bit in the film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Eagle eyed viewers will
1: yeah. discover <laughs> There's actually there's many there's many little tidbits like that, and it's like okay. Wow,
2: we never would have put this <laughs> together without your help, IMDb. Thank Connect. you.
0: I think just with that as well, and it, and it plays into the film like this obsession with with Lady Lisa, etc. And the reason why Hubert appears, and also we see the dog from Duck Hunt and and stuff appear, is that by winning, they receive trophies from uh, the alien invaders, and so with Lady Lisa's appearance, um, it's literally a trophy wife. I mean, oh, true. you can't get sort of more, like, I don't know. Literally. Well, I don't know. We only, see, we only
1: see her in action. I want to know what her inner life is. I want to know what her wants and needs and dreams are. Um we're no, to see it
0: in the pits, this I, too.
1: One, they're in the honey, <laughs> no, they're in the honeymoon period one year later. But actually, no, we don't see, we don't see, Ludlow or Lady Lisa one year later. We just see the crib of the baby, so maybe they're already not talking to each other. I don't know how reproduction with a cubert works. Maybe Josh, maybe Josh Gad gave birth to all these cuberts. It starts like the beginning of the Fly too. Um, <laughs> I might be getting sidetracked here, but oh, that's interesting. I mean, again, one of the other trivia sections. <laughs> I've just, my eye alighted to it. Contrary to many of his other films, Sean Bean survives the entire movie. So that's not <laughs> trivia. That's just... Ah, oh, man.
0: <laughs> not to wrap up the humour, but just to bring it back to Sandler. The thing is with his performance and the humour that he delivers is that he doesn't actually tell jokes. He just does pop culture references. So he'll just call someone who wears glasses Harry Potter. We'll call a woman with gray hair Gandalf and the whole like relationship or, or whatever you want to call it that he has with the main uh, female lead played by Michelle Monaghan who plays Lieutenant Colonel Violet Van Patten um, when they first meet he's installing uh, a TV in her place and she's recently divorced and this whole kind of like leery you know, just saying, like, whoa, and, like, she's in a vulnerable space. It's, like, leaning in for a kiss and calls her a snob because, like, if he owned a jet and was a millionaire, then he she'd definitely be down to clown with Adam Sandler. It's, it's, it's meant to be this kind of, like, screwball, rom-com, tit-for-tat kind of thing. It's like, oh, they're rivals, but eventually they'll develop a love interest. And it's just like no, she's like a, a clever, intelligent woman who wants nothing to do with you, and you don't have to keep like rubbing it in her face that because you're besties with the president, and this <clears throat> particular national emergency concerns video games that you know you get yeah. to moonwalk into the Oval Office.
1: I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to be dramatic, but I wrote in my notes here: the romance in this movie makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Because that should
2: have been on the on the back of the box.
1: I mean, <laughs> what's the name of the actress? Um, I wrote it Michelle down. Michelle Monaghan. Yeah, I actually really love this actress, but she always seems to be playing like lots of girlfriends. And she's what's she in? Was she in? Is it the Source Code? Was that her? Yes. And then she's in Mission Possible. She's like she's in Mission Possible Three, which is like a major character, even though she's again. Oh, I hate the phrase love interest, but she's the love interest of Tom Cruise. And then she like disappears for. a most of a mission impossible movie she just keeps showing up as like oh hello you're like she basically is a subplot and like rather than like a wife it's like hey you're my subplot from like three films ago (laughs) um i think she might be in the new mission impossible films a bit more i don't know anyway so i I just again i just see her and i think she's so talented and i wish you're in like much better things and a bit of a superstar um i'm like batting for her basically (laughs) she could rely on me (laughs)
2: Then you wonder, was there every, if you're going to do it that way, was there even a need for a romance in this movie? I know filmmakers seem to think that every single movie needs it. And there was one line that he said to her, and it takes a lot to make me cringe because I have Alone in the Dark on DVD. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. Um, But when he said it's something about kissing her, and he's like, oh, nerds do it better because we care about it more, we don't get to do it as much, or something like that. And I was like, I think it's alluding to
1: how desperate they are. Yeah, Maybe. and that's what he
2: gave off throughout that entire scene and possibly the whole movie when it came to her. Just desperation. Like, desperation isn't this adorable <laughs> thing, you know, Maybe. that you should find cute in a movie.
3: Why are you following me? Oh, Dad. Hey, I, can't, I can't believe they even let you in here. Right. Colonel Van Patton, you can go right into the situation room. Yeah, see, they need me in the situation room. So have fun doing whatever you're doing. Mm. Mr. Brenner, the president is waiting for you in the Oval Office. Somebody's more important. Freddie, can you keep the riff raff out of here?
1: I mean, yeah, the three of us are like kind of white guys. <laughs> and um, I get a sense, talking about this film and talking about Adam Sanders' character, this is like one of the not going to say last because they're still doing it but this really feels like the tipping point where it was enough for the main character to be a straight white guy and that automatically equals relatable and so he you know by making him like straight white guy you know it is a natural thing that he gets the girl at the end and it's a natural thing that he he's just a repair guy he's a vcr or hi-fi electrician repair guy And he, but he's just like you. But I think maybe, just maybe, Hollywood is a little bit better at like making the average guy a bit more diverse. And like, you know, I'm sure like if you look at the release slate this year, that's patently not true. (laughs) Um, but I don't know. I just, I just get a real sense that maybe if it's what rubs the song up the wrong way about this Adam Sandler character is like the film says he's just like you and. Hey, wouldn't it be great if you, your loser, happened to, or, or your worthless life skills, like ended up saving the world? I mean, I'm sure if they could somehow make podcasting somehow to save the world, they would have made that film. But um, I mean, I guess one thing which really, uh, again, irks me, again, I will say I, I didn't think the film was as terrible as people are saying. But another thing I noticed was um, how these guys are meant to be video games experts but then a lot of their expertise seems to translate into firing a bazookoid at the sky <laughs> and you know i love a sci-fi gun me me they do these guns which are like light gun type thingamajiggers and there's some lip surface paid in the centerpiece scene where you're looking for patterns but at the end of the film you know what soldier would be better at shooting things in the sky being a video game expert like counts for nothing in like the big action sequence it kind of reminds me of the suicide squad movie the the og suicide squad movie where like harley quinn has a baseball bat but is also meant to be good at defending the world from like monsters um (laughs) So that was that was that was strange, but maybe I'm overthinking this a little bit. <laughs> no, I, I think it, it's it's one of those things where um
0: I think again, what's meant to be relatable is the fact that you know, if you're watching this film and you're of a certain age, it's just like, oh, these old video games—they're not—they're uh, a lot better than the than the new ones. Like this kid sort of says you know he mentions the classics and he's he, this kid's like what halo call of duty and he's like no like old school stuff and the reason why is because those games have patterns and they have like a later debate where this little kid is playing the last of us and saying like this is the most violent video game i've ever seen um and adam sandler's character is like bemoaning the fact that um there aren't patterns like oh uh a uh, an infected mushroom man could attack you at any moment. You have to be on your guard. And it's just like, Oh, what, where's the fun in in that? And it's just like, I don't know. That sounds pretty good to me.
1: And like, it's pretty close minded if I have to, if I'm honest. And then the, the,
0: his whole, like, um, what do you call it? It's like his, his great white whale is Donkey Kong, because that's a game where the barrels get kind of randomized after a certain extent. And, you know, the whole film starts in the eighties, and they're at the arcade and he's playing, I think, Space Invaders for the first time. And his best friend, who grows up to be the president, is like, how are you so good at this? You've never played it before. And again, it's like a great, like, he's amazing. He's just brilliant, naturally. Um, and it all comes down to the, the patterns. And then in the finale at this video game championships, he enters, which is hosted by Dan Aykroyd, which explains, you know, maybe a bit of residual ghostbusters connection while also the presence of crystal head vodka later on
1: i'm, I'm holding i've bad. got i've got a bottle right here of crystal head <laughs> vodka which i now i've drunk it all not this today um but um <laughs> i i've now got it on my desk with like leds inside but yeah that was an odd scene when like they're in a bar and they just bring out like Maybe just present a bottle of crystal head vodka. And they're like, does everyone know that's vodka? He just needs to be brandishing a crystal <laughs> skull. Yeah.
0: Just like, oh, the aliens dropped one of these. Our best Indiana Jones wants one, hasn't he? That's a good
1: point. It
2: really requires knowledge of Dan Aykroyd to actually get
1: that. <laughs> you know, it's just when as a Sony logo appears, you always have to like brace your loins for as much product placement as you can take, you know, short of a Bond movie. These uh, Sony films have so, oh, yeah. so true.
2: On the visuals of the movie I and this actually came from the short I love I do love the concept of the Tetris blocks Mm. you know making the building lose a floor and slam down I think that's really cool and they kind of recreated that almost shot for shot in the in the 2015 movie so I thought that was really cool
1: but like not you only see that for like almost a, like a split second. I would yeah, have, it's very I would have short. Loved, I would have loved just a little bit more on just that. I,
0: I believe that the Tetris they didn't get the rights to that until quite late into the f- production. So I, I think that was something they had to kind of pick up, you know, like sort of post production. Like, oh, yeah. we've now got the rights to Tetris, so now we can insert.
2: Oh, because it did seem kind of like a, like an aside when it happened. It would have actually been cool to see something from inside the building while that was happening. Like maybe the four guys mm. had to go up the building and save someone, but this was happening while they were trying to. Yeah, you know, we could we can remake Pixels here. I think with all these yeah.
1: absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think you were saying something a moment ago when I interrupted with my crystal spell. Well, side. well,
0: yeah. I mean, just just to sort of say, with that video game championship, that's where the characters are introduced, and it's um we've already explained it, but that's where like Eddie beats. Um Sam, uh, Adam Sandler's character in the in the finale, which is Donkey Kong, and that explains why Donkey Kong is his like great white whale. But then it turns out that Eddie cheated all along, and so actually, you know, lo and behold, Sam is the world's greatest Donkey Kong champion, and you know, nah, 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 nah. Um <laughs> but I I guess the, the I just the, the main sort of like thrust is these big kind of set pieces where it has the different alien invasion and it's about using the sort of military to, to combat the alien threat. So that initially starts with an invasion on a U.S. base in Guam using Gallagher. Uh, and then I guess the other sort of main set pieces are Centipede in London, which which features Sean Bean and also Brian Cox, who's doing, uh, he's playing a, a blustering American general. I whereas love Bean is,
1: a blustering you know, American general. <laughs> like in like Strange Love and the Mars Attacks. I, I just love the completely cliched character of a general just wanting to f- hit that nuclear button ASAP.
2: <laughs> and he really suits it well, actually, doesn't he? <laughs>
1: Brian Cox, is a, leg- Cox he is a legend.
0: So yeah.
1: Sean Bean, I, I enjoyed a bit less for some reason. I don't know.
0: It was a bit odd because like it, it, it's meant to be in London. Um, I very much doubt it was filmed there. Um, because it's conveniently in Hyde Park, so it's just trees and a big green space. <laughs> some
1: Torontonian like... trees. <laughs> I was going to say Canadian, but I said Torontonian, which is now what you call the denizens of Toronto.
0: Um, but, uh, yeah, questionable accent from the the football guy who's <laughs> being claims they're filming a beer
1: commercial. And then you mentioned, I think, that little kid who's like the most English kid I've seen. We're like, call cool, blimey. <laughs> I can't remember. It's Christmas Day, Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> I mean, oh, there thing... was some really bad moment with Kevin James,
2: wasn't there, two talking to, what's that actress's name? I think she is. Fiona she play... Shaw. Yes, Aunt Not... and in Harry Potter, right? And she and she
1: also yeah. plays Queen Cooper in the Super Mario, Bro- Mario Brothers she movie. She does, that's right, yeah. And like, I, that's something I did get from the trivia section. <laughs> and that is I learned that for the first time I was like oh my god I love Fiona Shaw
2: she's amazing but then again she was reduced to a stereotype in that movie and all I could think of was you two guys because I was like this is like for me if a leprechaun just danced on the screen and was like oh come on Adam Sandler let's go do this you know what What I'm playing into this
1: I'm pretty glad I don't have apple plus right now because I'd feel compelled to watch luck that's uh from the visionary genius, but don't look him up, <laughs> of creator of Toy Story, uh, Luck, set in like a fictionalized like Irish Luckland. Oh dear! For half the cast, half the time, apparently. I, I, I've I,
2: heard the name of it, but I haven't. I didn't know that was the, the premise. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, just saying, don't watch it because you explode into an. And like an emerald explosion and go over a rainbow <laughs> of into, Guinness and, into a pot of you know, golden Guinness and you're just running yeah. away, clicking your heels. You'd hate that.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think Fiona Shaw, like, she was clearly I mean she was she was running with it, so fair enough. Like,
1: yeah, she enjoyed it. She probably she saw was the Yeah, she was saw yeah. the dailies and she was like, Oh, I can see what level of performance I need for this film. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's true.
0: I mean, actually, like I did enjoy because the, the, they're fighting the centipede and one kind of like breaks loose and sort of terrorizes the streets I, did, I it's like a very typical comedy trope where something crazy is happening in an apartment usually with an old woman and they, <laughs> do, they don't know what's happening behind her but that grandma doing aerobics i, I liked her
1: style <laughs> yeah. I, I i'm I'm okay with that the centipede joined in as well did a little bit of aerobics because I guess that's what an alien centipede monster would do, but again, <laughs> are you overthinking well, it? They got like a tape. They got a tape
0: from the '80s, and so maybe like as well as video game footage, they had a lot of robots cassettes yeah. sent up. So maybe the mm-hmm. aliens were familiar with. Um... Is it Richard Simmons?
2: Is that his name? Is that the guy?
1: Like oh the yeah, yeah, era? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Good could
0: have been Again, Simmons tapes.
1: A sequel yeah. could be set with all the nineties broadcasts of, I don't know, Channel 4's Euro Trash and <laughs> <laughs> like Lola Ferrari coming down and destroying buildings with her bazongas. Anyway, moving on. <clears throat> they just announced a box set, 17 seasons, and I am buying that box set. <laughs> I um, may um, say to gonna... get
0: all the rights yeah and yeah. anyway
1: <clears throat> again gosh you know what for a film that I don't think the three of us think is particularly good the sequel potential is off the charts <laughs>
2: absolutely I agree man um, man there's a lot of stuff they could do I, I, I don't hate the movie if I was to rate it I would probably say like a 6 it's watchable but then again I don't even know if I'd watch it with my own kids I don't know whether there'd be enough in it to keep them you know they'd be like oh that's Batman but what are they going to well, get out of the rest of it? You know, you know what?
1: I think that sounds like a scientific experiment. So if you could come back to us That's having exposed your kids to this, like subject A, mm. minimal oh, enjoyment.
2: Just not- says, get out, get out. No. <laughs> I'm watching this. It's important research. I know. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't it's it's it all comes back to me, uh, you know, who's it for? It's it's not maybe it was made with good intent. And I tried to think about that with the video game movies that I am writing about in that book, there could mm-hmm. be there could be people like us, right, on the set and you're just a production designer or not just a production designer or you're a caterer or anything like that and you might love the video game that they're making a movie out of with all of your heart and then that you see them kind of half butchering it and you're just like, oh, it's those people. Like you said, the real people making these movies. You know, they have to have been made with good intent as well as money. so we should spare thought for those people and maybe maybe chris columbus is like that he's made really good heartfelt movies you know and i think if it had maybe focused on more of the childlike fun of that that he's good at it could have been more entertaining instead of just you know adam sander and his Mm. friends goofing around yeah usual.
1: i'm actually looking through his um like his cv because he sent it to me (laughs) <laughs> um, i mean we know him like as a director but he's also i think responsible for scripting things like gremlins and i think another a- i think he's part of goonies as well and actually interestingly you know he's disappeared a little bit from the directing scene but he's like part of the production company which brings like first-time directors to the screen such as uh he was an executive producer on the witch
2: oh well, that's why that feels like it was hijacked too much by not hijacked, but you know, Happy Madison had too much of a hand Mm. in it because it's very much, this is our movie and then we're going to put this stuff in it after, after the fact.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And I I think, I think probably like the best sort of segment or sequence is the, the Pac-Man section, just because that is where there is, there is action. I think it looks like visually really fun and, and, and pretty to look at, um, you get a lot of sort of dinklage quipping, um, but just having the you know that it's in New York, so you have like the sky view where it does look a bit like a Pac Man maze. There's just like that's where I think that clearly was like the thing which sold the film to the financiers, or you know that that sells the film to the audience because, like I said, it's it's front and center in the trailer more than anything because. It's it's instantly iconic, it's it's a cool concept, and as a as a kind of set piece, it, it, it works. Um so do you think
1: yeah. it would have been a bit better if somebody had died in that film? <laughs> it, it, but <laughs> no, but what is I mean the is making of it or <laughs> I just again I need to keep reminding myself it's like a family-friendly comedy, but I think maybe what I was missing from that scene is a bit of stakes. And yes, everyone was like running away from Pac-Man, not wanting to be eaten by Pac-Man, but like, what if, like, one of the the party had been, like, eaten by Patman? And they could have, like, survived. They could have been transported to a spaceship, like everyone else who seems to get pixelated. But that would have meant, meant that they have less of a party and maybe less of a chance of beating. Yeah.
0: Well, the Patman crater, you know, his, his arm does get eaten off. And then it comes back at the <laughs> <And> end. pixelated. <laughs> I but, think you're right, though,
2: because there is movies out there that are family-friendly that have you know, a lot of Pixar movies have the most horrendously heart-wrenching beginnings. You know, that would make a grown man cry easily. Um, so there's no reason they can't do this because a lot of movies, family-friendly movies, are to loss and that kind of thing. So they could have lost hmm. a friend, even for him to miraculously reappear at the end. But like, but uh, it's a good point. Put a bit of a, more of a stake into it. Yeah, just, one of the you know,
0: one of the main heroes, at the very least, you know, rather than just disappearing for reasons, mm-hmm. um, does get abducted, and then they're like that adds the state's like, oh, we have to get to the mothership because that's the ultimate goal. It's like, we need to rescue... I mean, okay, if a little kid gets rescued, you know, they get abducted, but who cares? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, True. the special effect of being turned into pixels I do find quite disturbing because uh, I think uh, we, we saw the lawnmower man and when people get turned into like CGI bubbles, there's something a bit... <laughs> I find that upsetting. It's not likely to happen to me, I'll admit. But... um, But... It'll be just my luck, we wouldn't never, it? You
0: never know. You never know, yeah. You never know.
2: 2022, I mean, come on. What, yeah, what's uh, next?
0: Enough VR headsets uh, around nowadays for <laughs> bubbles to appear. And...
3: Professor Iwatani, get back in the car.
0: Professor Iwatani, what are you doing? I will talk to him.
3: He's my son. No, that's a bad idea. Hello. My sweet little boy. Look how big you've grown. I'm so proud of you. That's so sweet. He's so sweet. But all these destructive things you're doing, it's wrong. I'm your father. I know. You're a good boy. (laughs) That was some twisted Pinocchio Geppetto stuff right there. It it is kind of scary
2: though, and and those um you know those the messages you were saying that the that the aliens sent were kind of creepy. I thought you know those yeah. face you know face swap kind of things and
1: yeah they 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 broadcast their intentions using classic eighties yeah uh, celebrities but face map them. It just reminds me of those um minstrels no galaxy chocolate adverts with Audrey Hepburn <laughs> and it reminds me how Robin Williams has written into his will that don't use me for any sort of CGI things after my death and I just think uh, it is creepy but I think it, it it's not used to sell me chocolate here it's meant to be a bit weird <laughs> and creepy yeah
2: yeah it was so,
1: effective. that was all right
2: there is some definitely uh good ideas in that movie the more we talk about it the more I can <laughs> kind of see what they were trying to do and maybe what was the name of the director of the short film?
1: Uh, Patrick. Uh, Patrick Jean. Yeah,
2: maybe he had the right idea in just kind of making it this visual, you know, thing. Keep it short and sweet. S- show all these iconic moments, like the Tetris building, and-, and then leave Adam Sandler
1: out of it. Well, you know, it, 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 it seems more like he made this, like he was playing about on his computer, and then someone Sony drew. He drove a truck of millions of dollars up to his house and said, "Can we like rip this off?" Uh, and I said, yeah, I, I did kind of copy the idea from a future Futurama episode. No, no, actually, no, no, it was entirely <laughs> yeah, my own idea. Yeah, no one's done this before.
2: But even then, Fry used his actual video game skills in that episode, didn't he? Rather than picking up a huge gun and shooting <laughs> it. Mm. You know, they could have done something like, you know, M. Bison's um, floating pod thing. It a little chunky arcade buttons on it. You know, yeah. they could have. Capitalising that, give Adam Sander a controller or give him an arcade cabinet to do all this stuff on would have made more sense instead of him just being suddenly an action hero as well.
1: But maybe you know? if I wanted to give this film some credit, you know, again, maybe it's trying to do is say that you fella could be an action hero as well. And, you know, apparently yeah. in this interview I was reading with Chris uh, Columbus, he said that the Donkey Kong uh, stage that they are climbing on was built in studio, and I wonder if it was touched up a little bit by special effects. But they were making like they had ladders to climb and uh, platforms to run along, which I thought was kind of neat.
2: Yeah, there was some cool shots in that last thing. I didn't like how abruptly it ended though, either. You know, when Donkey Kong was was we're in spoilers, aren't we? Yeah, when Donkey Kong was killed. It
1: was kind of like, <laughs> oh, it's over now. I can't even. I can't even remember how it ends actually
0: adam sandler beats a gorilla to death with a hammer <laughs>
1: <laughs> again as written that sounds something i desperately want to see not Did in real
2: life new netflix drama movies you know to follow up uncut gems or whatever what was the other one that he had out recently is there some basketball movie he had oh
0: hustle i think
2: have you watched that
1: no no i heard it was good Maybe we but maybe do.
2: maybe we have enough Alexander for this year, do we? <laughs> maybe,
1: uh, maybe. I think maybe I really should watch Uncut Gems and then I'll I'll get what people say. I mean, I, there's just one more thing I do want to talk about. And I kind of mentioned at the start, I, I still find this whole relationship his character has with the president completely baffling. And I know we're in like a post-Trump world. Uh, fingers crossed post-Trump <laughs> world, because, you know, maybe he'll be back in 2024. But like when we like go from the prologue in the 82 to present day, he's like in a bar with the president. And then like the president walks out and he's got this security detail. And I like, I know this is a fantasy. I know it's a comedy, but just the idea that the president just takes time out just to hang out with his mate in an empty bar. It seems so weird. Like the way presidents would entertain with like, you'd come to their house or I, there's just this there's this, just constant unreality of it all i found very strange and i think there's um when comedy works like this when fantasy comedy works is usually when the fantastical enters the mundane and so like when my ghost makes ghostbusters works is that classic thing where they are basically plumbers dealing with ghosts um i think one reason i didn't really like tropic thunder i haven't got to the end of tropic thunder <laughs> because, because How long is it
0: been out? <laughs> because it doesn't
1: It's meant to be this thing where these these uh, puffed up actors enter a very real jungle terror situation but actually the jungle terrorists turn out to be led spoilers, led by a kid and it's a bit weird it's all weird all the whole way through and I think this film does the same thing where I'm just like everything's weird and unbelievable so it doesn't really work yeah all the all the principal
0: characters are are heightened and absurd and then an absurd thing happens to them so there's nothing kind of real to latch on with and you know i don't want to everyone's talked about the the ghostbusters um uh reboot that they did and that was one of my issues with it not any of the misogyny um was just no, how. Are we, sorry, everyone... are we
1: talking about Answer the Call or the other reboot? It's a
0: 2016 one,
1: so not on, um,
0: Afterlife. <laughs> uh, but but that was very much like all the characters that they meet are very like heightened comic performances, um, and it's kind of like then the absurd stuff happens, and we're in a, a realm of like absurdity anyway. So you know, it's kind of a disconnect. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think. Yeah, that's that sort of there's, there's nothing really to sort of tangible to really grasp with this film. It's not, oh my god, alien video game characters are invading our world. It's alien video game characters are attacking these weird comedy <laughs> caricatures. Yeah. Um, but not just alien video game characters, just I guess because the aliens have seen this tape of the 80s, that's why for some reason we get a smurf.
1: Yeah, I'm like, there must have been a Smurf video game, I guess.
0: But no, I think it's probably just like TV, because we also get uh, Max Headroom mm. uh, making an appearance, a uh, friend of the podcast, Matt Frewer, for his appearances <laughs> in Lawnmower Man 2 and <laughs> Castlevania.
1: But this is the first time he's ever been actually CGI, because in the past, he was an actor made up to look CGI. And so here, Max Headroom, the best thing about this film? So Max Ed is actually a computer generated character for the first time.
0: So it was all, it was all worth it
1: in the end. It's come full circle. In the end. Is that another IMDB gem or did you just oh, notice uh, that? I'm <laughs> not going to say, I'm not going to reveal my sources.
2: <laughs> Eagle eyed viewers might notice <laughs> that Adam Sander was in this movie. Jeez, Did you catch that?
1: I barely did. Oh my God. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's kind of my final thoughts. P- presidents, huh? What are you going to do with them? Um, <laughs> Do you have anything more to say, Chris and Rory? Uh,
2: I don't think so. I I I think I feel like I've been probably most negative talking about this movie. Um, from someone who's supposed to be positive about these things. Uh, you know, I mean, it is what it is. And and as someone who enjoys some of Adam Sanders' movies, like the '90s ones and like Hubie Halloween, I didn't get the same feeling from this. You know, which is why I was saying they didn't go hard either way they didn't mm. go for the gaming stuff too much and they didn't go for the Adam Sander fan so why frame it that way um I don't know I'm sure there's fans out there of the movie <laughs> uh and maybe they'd make a cut of it that's just all of the visuals and you know
0: <laughs> the but, that, that's, but that's good to know as, as someone who is not uh you know an Adam you know has watched a lot of his his movies that this is a a duff adam sandler movie so it's it's like you know it's it's one thing for me to watch this and be like i don't think i'm gonna watch any more of his films because i think he's just so lazy in this one if he if like you know the material and his performance or shtick gels then it was i mean i i I really quite like uncut gems i don't think he's delivering a performance which is very different to what he does in his other movies because he kind of spends the whole film going like oh no um (laughs) But um, at the same time, it works for the context of the film because he's meant to be portraying a character who's not especially likable. And whereas here, he's portraying a character who is meant to be the best and the greatest, and we're meant to adore him and think he's super relatable. Um, so,
2: yeah, it's a shame that he could be interchanged with any of his other movies. Really, I mean, it doesn't show you know what he has to offer to the movie. Then, really, It yeah. could have been any anyone else. So it okay. is a shame. It's it's awesome. definitely not a good movie for fans of Adam Sandler even.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> you asked if people like the movie. I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes now. And uh, Avril Halley of Movie Bitches writes, it showed a lot of restraint. <laughs> Is that a compliment? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a quote for the poster. That's the, that's <laughs> the, the binary uh, that, that sounds of, like you... <laughs> of Rotten Tomatoes. That counts as a positive. I mean, Movie Bitches also has a chap called Andrew Gaudi, who says, it was pretty well written and coherent. Yeah, it had a beginning, a middle and end.
2: Coherent sounds, you know, like saying it's interesting. What does that even mean? Can you imagine, it just, it, in, yeah. just,
1: in, <laughs> just in quotes, coherent. Yeah, it's above. coherent um yeah so worry final thoughts
0: yeah i mean I, I stand by my original uh review and things i i think i think because i had an overwhelmingly negative experience the first time i watched it on blu-ray and in 3d i might add i watched a, a 3d blu-ray that's your
1: tag um, you've just written you can tag reviews on letterbox blu-ray 3d
0: yeah exactly it's in that I genre of things.
1: movie 3d yeah
0: <laughs> my my watching style for my original viewing of pixels. I didn't watch it in 3D this time, but I had forgotten the things that did make me chuckle this time. And that was largely a few line deliveries from Peter Dinklage. And again, I'd forgotten how actually like the VFX is, you know, still holds up pretty well because, you know, it's not trying to recreate something which is meant to look realistic in that sense, but that it also does look like it's still there because You know, I I think that's kind of hard to pull off making something that doesn't look like it should be there, but also look there, while also still being like impressive and bright and colorful and and, and stuff. So I think, you know, VFX team, well done. Um, Everyone else, um, see me after class.
3: Um, (laughs) (laughs) I made your game, my bitch.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to the sequel we've come up with. Um, uh, I can't remember the details of that sequel. Maybe we should just forget about the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> two pixels too furious oh brilliant <laughs> well, well
1: you know i i heard a bit of trivia from a website i'm not gonna name but everything in this film are they're not pixels they're voxels so the film should be called voxels but maybe that's the name of the sequel voxels but not the car brackets not the car <laughs> um okay well you know as always on this podcast we do like to celebrate video game movies and i think you know this is definitely a film i watched and most (laughs) of all a film i enjoyed talking about um chris like i know obviously you've got the book um a guide to video game movies but is there anything else that you wish to plug and tell us about uh
2: yeah um i will tell you about more books if that's okay um yeah so I, when I signed up for this one, I got very excited, obviously, and any opportunity I could have to write more, I took. So I actually have a second book out at the moment as well called The Ultimate Book of Movie Monsters, and it goes from, you know, black and white universal era, um, chapters on vampires, zombies. There's lots of strange uh, 80s stuff that I loved, like gremlins, critters, uh, the stuff, the blob. No, oh, the stuff. And, and then I covered a lot of... Fantasy uh, movies in it as well. So there's you know Cormac from Neverending Story, um, Draco from Dragonheart, uh, lots of different monsters basically from from then to now. Oh, you have the Descent uh, movies like that in there. Uh, the Witch is in there as well. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a book for people who love horror and fantasy, and there's lots of lovely pictures in it. It's a little bit smaller than the Guide to Video Game Movies, but it's another neat little coffee table thing. And I have two books. Well, it was supposed to be one book, but it became too big. Uh, The follow-up to A Guide to Video Game Movies, which is a guide to movie-based video games.
1: Mm. It
2: ended up being too long, so they asked me to split it in two. So that's going to come out in uh, 1982 to 2000 and a 2001 to 2022 volume. And that covers as many video games as I could possibly fit in uh, that came (laughs) from movies. So you have nearly every single Star Wars game in there indiana jones uh the warriors the chronicles of riddick games small soldiers on the playstation one which i bought as a kid and i absolutely loved it for some reason <laughs> a bizarre game where it's not based on the movie it's actually based on the planet uh, gorgon where they're actually fighting so you play oh. as archer as if it was a real fight so there's no toys involved um yeah so they're two really big bumper books that should be coming out next year
1: oh, um nice. in, in the oh. same
2: vein of this one um and great. then I am writing two more video game books after that too, so I'll keep people posted on that. Great. Well, so it's looking like it's looking like a long term thing for me, that I'm really excited about. Um yeah, that's it, so
1: keep an eye. Well it'd be great to have what you about. on because about around about when those books come out because we, love we, to. we often segue the other way into mm-hmm. um games based on films, uh which yeah. I feel is a slightly dying art, but Absolutely. maybe we'll come back. I think
2: I think you know um, app stores kind of did a lot for that mm. because why make I don't know Moana the 3D adventure game and you can make Moana the match three tile touchscreen game yeah you know yeah. And, and get and get the same revenue so that's a shame because there was there's games like a Bug's Life and Toy Story two that I actually really like mm-hmm. um, and then there's movies that are coming out now like uh, you know Onward and things like that that would have made cool 3D collectathons and that so. It's a little bit sad, but I think it's like it's like video game movies. You, you need to celebrate these things because they're they're unsung, I think. And there's good ones out there.
0: Yeah. And I, I think sometimes, there's you know, there's like notable versions of those and like key titles everyone sort of uh, talks about. But again, sometimes it will come from surprising places where it'll be like the film is not particularly well regarded or, or whatever. But then suddenly <laughs> this video game is, like, amazing, um, yeah. or it's, it's you know, maybe a sequel to some animated movie that no one really paid attention to, but for some reason the kart racing game that came with it is, like, incredibly playable, so... Yeah, that's yeah. it, there's good things
2: come, like, uh, you know, the 2017 uh, Mummy movie with Tom Cruise, which was just mm. swept under the rug, that got a really cool uh, retro-style Metroidvania game by really? uh, Way Forward called The Mummy Demastered, and that was actually mm. really cool, but it didn't really, you know, it had... Did the, the Princess Anna Meta or whatever her name is from the movie, but it didn't really follow the movie storyline. So, but, but it ended up being oh. better than the movie.
1: So, so you're saying it's like the best thing to come from Universal's dark universe. <laughs> the dark universe.
2: <laughs> My God, what an amazing thing that is. Poor Russell Crowe, huh? He had his chance.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, yeah It's a shame that doesn't make a whole chapter in the, on the movie Monsters book. But... <laughs> I know,
2: but I know. Well, she is in it though, the, the mummy from yeah. that movie. Okay, she, okay. She, she makes her appearance and I do mention <laughs> it.
0: Smash. Never forget. <laughs> well like harry said yeah we should definitely get you back when um to talk about those books and you know just i i think that's like a great resource as well just uh and you know with the video game movie book as well um just to have stuff that you might be aware of as well as stuff that you might not have known about us sort have of flown under the radar and you can you know now you have a, a, a handy resource that you can reach when it's Absolutely, and there
2: was there was a lot that I didn't know Even when I was writing those books I mean, there's a lot of Austin Powers video games And, speaking of Adam Sander, Let's bring it back to Pixels There is a Little Nicky video game on the Game Boy Color I don't know if you know oh, that Oh my
1: Did word not know that.
2: Yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's I, a game um, I don't I <laughs> think I'll rush to go play that But it's good to know it exists It's there so, it's like, yeah, they were... Maybe living in the landfill next to that It was E.T.E. cartridges <laughs>
2: Very well could be. It could be on eBay for
0: 500 right now. We don't even know. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> okay, now let me, you, you said that, I'm going to look that up.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us uh, on this episode to talk pixels, Chris. And um, yeah, uh, if if you want people to, to follow you on socials or whatever. It's, it's,
2: oh yeah, I am yeah. at uh, chriscarton 89 on Twitter. Um, if you search for Christopher Carton, author on Facebook, you'll find me, and uh, Christopher Carton underscore author on Instagram. Okay Actually, you can find me there as well. And if you want to buy the book, it's on pen and sword, pen Dash and Dash uk. If you're living in England, it's probably a really good place to get it. But it's also on all of the Amazons, Book Depository, if you're in America, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, anywhere that you can get books online, basically. Uh, they're uh, both there.
0: Wonderful. Well, uh, if you want to find more information about uh, video game movies in the sense of keeping up to date with the latest news, etc., you can follow us on our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Games on Film Pod. Our website is com slash podcast. You can email us gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. All episodes of the podcast are available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, indeed, wherever you get your podcasts. So please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. I'm on Twitter at Rory
1: Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. Be sure to join us next time on Games on Film, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so like the lowest price on eBay for Little Nicky on the Game Boy Color. It's twenty six pounds sixteen pence with eighteen pounds forty six postage.
2: I was about to say bargain, but no.
1: Forty four, forty four pounds and sixty two pence for what eBay lists as in an acceptable condition.
2: <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> that, that goes wrong with interesting and coherent, doesn't it? <laughs> One man's acceptable is not another person's acceptable.
1: It's like what does acceptable mean? <laughs> the box the box hmm no the box they, they've done that thing where they've they've not taken they've not done a photo of the box they have just copy pasted a photo so maybe it's yeah. just uh 11 people are watching it right now shit i better get my wow, <laughs> I'm
2: to be 12 god those <laughs> game boy boxes were such a i don't know i i like having my cases intact but they were awful they were so frayed and just hard oh. to
1: look after <laughs> We could start a whole other debate about the quality of video game boxes because I think so like Nintendo Switch boxes are its just a little bit sad when, like, you open up a ginormous car and I, like a box, and this is this little waffle fin after eight inside. And yeah, no
2: instruction manual or anything to read or smell, as no. I like to do. You know, that
1: I remember the car journeys yeah. home, looking at the instruction booklet. I've look at the three of us, are now I sound like just the sort of people, pixels is four. <laughs> Lusting so it's with, come to this, it's come to it, showed this. Us,
2: it showed us such a harsh reality And that's why we had to be so down on it you know? <laughs> It's what you mirror up to us Basically
1: So it's, Look it, at what it, you are. it's been a pleasure Chris Thanks so much for coming on Guys thanks um, for asking
2: me, really appreciate it
1: um, And hopefully next time you'll get to watch a film We'll all enjoy <laughs> uh, I'm not guaranteeing anything uh, Until next time though I've been Harry I've been Rory
2: Thanks so much, guys. Take care. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Bye.